The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. To report by UCC, um, people who were stalked or harassed found that more than half did not report the incidents to the Gardaí, that most victims know their stalker, and over two-fifths indicated that the perpetrators threatened to harm them or those close to them directly or indirectly. Joining me on the line, and we'll be speaking to her in a moment, is Sarah Benson, the CEO of Women's Aid. And also on the line is Una Ring, co-founder of Stalking Ireland, and uh, one of those credited by UCC as prompt the research. Uh, good morning, Una. Thanks for having me on. Now, you might remind our listeners of, of your situation. Yours was a prolonged stalking, but it did end up in a conviction. It did end up in a conviction. Um, he was actually caught on my property trying to break in. Um, he had a crowbar and a lockpicking device and what they call a rape kit. Um, so the guards actually arrested him on my property. Now, that would uh, virtually ensure uh, a conviction irrespective of whether the intent was stalking or whether the intent was Mm. theft. But in your case, uh, it was the culmination of, if you like, a campaign. Yeah, yeah. It started in February 2020. It started with um, messages um, and phone calls. And um, he went quiet then from April until July and then my car tires were painted, my house window was painted and uh, he came two separate occasions leaving letters on my car and then the the final was when he was arrested. Yeah. So it was it was prolonged, yeah. Now, uh, this person was never um a friend in the, the that sense of the word, uh, more no. a, a colleague. Yeah, he was a work colleague. I had worked with him for 18 months um and while I was working with him he didn't raise any red flags or anything there was nothing to be you know, sceptical of. It just really came out of the blue. Um, so, yeah, it was um, it was just completely bizarre behaviour. Yeah. Had you continued as work colleagues, who knows where it might have gone or not gone uh, at all, but clearly there was an obsession uh, there that led to all of this bad behaviour. The impact on you, Una, I mean, obviously you had the courage to go out there, uh, report to the Gardaí and ultimately secure a conviction and uh, allow your identity to be known. Yeah, yeah. It it had a profound impact on me, actually. Like, it had, I suppose, positive in in the work that we did after, but very negative, um, you know, financially, mentally, emotionally. Like, it was was a very, it's a very hard thing to go through because you're you're living on your nerve, essentially, 24 hours a day because you don't feel safe at home, you don't feel safe outside. Even going from the, the front door to the car door, like... Everything you're you're just nervous the whole time, and it's um it, it is very wearing and it is very debilitating. Um, but once I went public and I met Eve, um, Eve McDowell, um, the two of us decided that something needed to be done, and we we set up stock in Ireland, and we just got in contact then with Lisa Chambers and started the legislation process, and Lisa was brilliant in in bringing it forward, and yeah, it just kind of all went from there, really. Um, have you been left with residual anxieties? Well, I have, yeah, I have, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm still on medication. Like, I'm still, I'm still very anxious out and about. Um, it really hasn't left me, and like, he's due to be released next year, so I'm already nervous about him getting out. And yeah, it, it, it just, it, it doesn't leave you. It really doesn't. 
Um, the uh, sentencing was five years, but um, with exemplary behaviour in prison, presumably that uh, leads to a, a, an early release. Uh, do you understand uh, in the report why so many people do not report their experiences to the Gardaí? I can understand it. Like, I suppose I was lucky in the way that, that my case um, progressed. Like, I did go to them first, but I printed off all the... Um, all the, the, the WhatsApp messages and the text messages and the, the missed phone calls and I brought all that down and then I suppose my case was, I suppose, handy isn't the right word, but it was handy because he left all the evidence there so it was easy to prove that it was going on because the car, the tires were painted and the windows painted and the letters were left there so he provided all the evidence himself really, you know. Yeah, which would uh, not necessarily always be the case. and Generally people, not, yeah. yeah, generally not. So you catch sight of somebody, but you've no photographic evidence, you've no... Uh, and, Oof, really. you, you know, yeah. how close do they have to be before it qualifies as stalking? Because if you see someone across the street, they may well be stalking you, but they could be, you know, 50 yeah. metres away. Yeah, well, I suppose it's, it's the pattern... If you see them one day, fine, but if you see them on, a, on separate occasions, um, then there probably is an issue. But, like, the most important thing to do is if, if, if you're wary of somebody on a certain day, mark down that day and continue reporting. Because if you do need to go to the guards, you do need to have something to show that it's going on. You can't just go in and say, I think someone's following me. Like, you, you really do need to give them something for, for their benefit and for your benefit as well. You know, you kind of have to say, well, he was in such and such place on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and the following Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So, like, the onus is on the, the I suppose, the person who has been stalked, not to prove it, but to, to give the guard something. Like, they, they do need something to go on. Yeah, and in many cases, I presume, an interview with the guard, the might be sufficient uh, to stop the behaviour, um, you know, a warning from the guard, the, uh, but then again, uh, someone who's particularly obsessed, uh, a guard, the warning won't uh, be, it just might make them more uh, covert. Yeah, but like in, in, within the new le- legislation, um, there is... Um, Civil protection orders now will be, you, you'll be able to get a civil protection order, whereas up to now, you could only get a protection order against an intimate partner or an ex-intimate partner um, or somebody who you had a long-standing relationship with, um, which would have been no good to me because he was a work colleague. But now with the new legislation, um, please God, we, they, they will be able to get um, a civil protection order. So if somebody is harassing you and stalking you and they're, you know, they haven't backed off with somebody speaking to them, you can actually get an order of protection against them and if they break that then there will be consequences for, for doing that, you know, yeah. which is going to be, that's going to be a huge help to people. Absolutely. Did your stalking ever uh, go into the online arena? No. No. I suppose we were both of an age where, um, you know, we wouldn't be that familiar with social media or you know, like texting what like he was 52 at the time and I was 49 um so I suppose the the, the cyber stalking and the online stalking generally is for I suppose younger people yeah. um it, like I I didn't even have an Instagram account before all this happened or LinkedIn or anything that I got those accounts after 
um, when we set up Stock in Ireland. But up to that, I didn't even have a Facebook account, you know. So, um, but he was messaging me on WhatsApp and he was text messaging me. Um, but it never went online, no. Yeah. Now, uh, Una, you would encourage anyone who's uh, suffering from a stalker at the moment to report it to the Gardaí. Absolutely, yeah. And like, as I said, do try and bring something with you, even even if it's written down on a piece of paper, a, a notebook or anything, um, just some form of a log. Um, because really, you can't go in and say, um, you know, I think Mr. Murphy is following me. You know, you, you need something to show it because it, it just makes life easier for the yeah. guards because they, they really can't just go and accuse somebody of something if there's no proof of, of it. And, you know, so, they, they, I suppose they have to prove that what you're saying is truthful as well because, yeah. unfortunately, there are people who will go and tell lies, I suppose, and just try and get somebody yeah. into trouble, you know? Uh, the vexatious complaints um, can exactly, be there. And, of yeah. course, uh, yeah. if the guards knock on someone's door and perhaps they're in a family situation and the guards start talking to them, it can be devastating for that family if it's an innocent party. Exactly, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Like, have, bring something with you to show that it is happening yeah. because they, the, the guards do need something to go on. They can't just knock on people's doors and say, following so and so you know you, you, they just can't do it Sure um, Now Stalking Ireland what do you do in Stalking Ireland? Well it's well Stalking Ireland um, that has been or that was myself and Eve's website that has since been taken over by the Sexual Violence Centre in Cork and it's now called Stalking in Ireland because we were just inundated with people messaging us and we just got completely overwhelmed because we were dealing with our own trauma we weren't trained we weren't qualified in helping people um, so the the Cork Sexual Violence Centre stepped in and now they're looking after us because we just weren't uh, mentally able and emotionally able to, to you know, to deal with all the, the, the emails that were coming in. So um, what's available now uh, on that website, Stalking in Ireland, um, mm-hmm. is there counselling available, um, legal advice available? What kind of services are on offer? Well, like it, it's, I suppose it's, um, there, there's all sorts on offer, really. Um, I suppose the, the first point to call is to contact the, the, the website and see what you need and then contact the Sexual Violence Centre and see what they can offer um, in your... Because like, every case is different as well. Mm-hmm. So you will be put on to somebody who's, who's trained and who knows what they're, what they're doing um, and they'll be able to point you in, in the best direction, be it legal, be it uh, the guards, um, counselling, like they they will know the the avenue best taken. Well, uh, Una, look, thank you very much for joining us, and I have to say, Una, that uh, you have created a very positive legacy from a very negative experience. Thanks very much. Yeah, that was that was that was the goal. <laughs> Well done. Uh, Una, thank you very much for uh, joining us. Now, uh, Sarah Benson, the CEO of Women's Aid, has been listening to that conversation. Um, that That's someone who, you know, triumphed at the end, got the stalker jailed. It obviously, in many cases, that does not happen. Yeah, good morning, Pat, and to your listeners. And, you know, just to commend uh, Una and, and indeed Eve and our colleagues in the Cork Sexual Violence Centre for really driving forward on this important issue of stalking in Ireland. Um, uh, Una's case is one where I think any time, and, and I've heard her her um, her story before, when you get to the end, you, you really actually breathe a sigh of relief. And the relief is that you realise 
had the Gardaí not responded as proactively as they did, had she not laid the groundwork with persistently reporting, um, something absolutely appalling was almost certainly going to happen in that situation. So this really does go to show that stalking, which... Um, you know, uh, you, you know, can, is at the at the higher end uh, of harassment uh, can lead to extreme harm um, and and uh, and even death in some cases. So, a really important piece of work that they have initiated here. Yeah. Now, uh, the sample contained people uh, as young as eighteen and as old as seventy five. Uh, Three hundred sixty seven reports of a perpetrator threatening to harm themselves around the respondent. Um, another aspect of this, re- people taking pictures or recordings without the consent of their victims, uh, private images, some very personal being shared. I mean, stalking can take many, many forms. It absolutely can. What I would say is I haven't actually had a chance to read the report in full. It's being launched today and and, and colleagues will be attending the launch and we look forward to it, um, to reading in detail. But even some of those top line um, uh, points which are already emerging very much resonate with the work of Women's Aid and, and one of the things that stands out is that while of course uh, stalking can be perpetrated by a stranger much more often than not it will be somebody known uh, to the to the victim to the person targeted um, very commonly it will be a current or former intimate partner and all of the things which you have uh, outlined there are things that we through our National Free Phone Helpline through our direct services have been responding to for many years where in the context of you know coercive control um, and post separation from an abuser, the the um, the behaviour uh, changes into really acute stalking behaviour, and um, some of those uh, some of those examples, you know, Una did say that she had not experienced the online harassment and and stalking, but that is actually very common, increasingly common, and it can be very hard to kind of gather. Uh, evidence of what's happening but but crucially when somebody is a part of your circle what they can do is they can also use your circle to actually stalk you by kind of friending friending your friends Mm -hmm. on facebook finding ways in so it's a really insidious um tactic and that threat to harm oneself is something that is actually quite common and it's a tactic to try and elicit kind of sympathy but also make the person who's being targeted feel responsible for um for the perpetrator, and it is a major red flag for serious harm. People might not think it is, but it actually is um, well-documented threats to hurt somebody else, but also threats to hurt yourself um, are really high risk. And that's why the work that has been done to to bring about a standalone stalking offence is welcome. We do, I would really stress, have relatively recent harassment legislation. So as Una said, if anybody is worried about a situation, there is legislation there, please do report. But what we hope is that this new stalking legislation, uh, which Minister Harris has committed to enacting by the summertime, um, bringing forward uh, uh, to conclusion um, the the legislation that initiated with Lisa Chambers and and, and Helen McEntee then um, put forward, that that will improve both the accessibility the awareness of stalking and also some of the really Mm. crucial measures like that civil restraining order, which doesn't require a conviction. Yeah, I can understand how difficult it would be for um, the people who, the the legal drafts people who work out the wording for legislation to define stalking in a, a way that is going to be always 100%. For example, somebody's on the same bus as you every morning because you're both heading into the same part of the country for work. 
and you get the impression that that person is stalking you because they eye you in a particular way, that may be just, you know, <laughs> accidental and coincidental encounters. But that doesn't mean that the person doesn't feel uncomfortable. Yeah, and there is there is that line between discomfort and something becoming a pattern of active behavior that is being targeted at somebody else. So that may happen. And on its own, it, it probably would not be sufficient to give um, certainly the guardie anything to particularly work with. It may cause an increased vigilance. But then if that person is showing up in other places, if... Um, uh, you know, if it's at your place of work or strangely incidentally where, you know, uh, you might be out for the day or if they if, you know, somebody with a, an unusual profile is suddenly liking everything on your social media, things like that start to, to create a slight concern that there may be a pattern emerging. So it is that that pattern of behavior and um, that we're talking about. So, um, you know, it, it, it can't just be a, a once off or it can't be a single thing. Um, it, it would be looking at a pattern and it is on a spectrum, um, which is why pulling stalking out as distinct from harassment is helpful because that is at the acute, the more acute yeah. end of the spectrum. Harassment can be once off, um, uh, you know, it can be kind of what would constitute, say, bullying, for example. But stalking is that persistent uh, focus and targeting of somebody else. The people who responded, uh, 584 of them um, reported uh, fear. 558 of them reported distrust. Uh, 511 reported sleep disturbances. Uh, there were people who talked about panic attacks and constant crying. And one respondent even had 18 different addresses from the beginning of the stalking had to keep on moving and moving and the impact of of that on their professional and social life incredible Absolutely, immensely disruptive. And I think that this report, which again, I, I, I look forward to reading in full, is extremely useful for shining a spotlight on the impact of stalking and the cost of stalking. And, you know, uh, I know that, uh, you know, um, respondents reported having to spend money on security measures for their homes, on uh, having to engage in therapeutic supports um, and, uh, and that level of having to change your life because of something that is entirely not your fault and to a certain extent be beyond your control because somebody else is doing it, that's where the law has to step in and support and hold the perpetrator to account. And I think that's what will be really important is, you know, the impact can vary, um, not just depending on the behaviour, but but depending on the, the, the person targeted. They may have a higher or a lower level of resilience or vulnerability. Yeah. But I think it's also important to say that in, in a number of those cases, the stalking escalated to physical contact, sexual assault and physical assault. And I think that's what we really are emphasising, that this is a dangerous practice. Yeah. It escalates to serious harm. Uh, one of the uh, respondents uh, talk about uh, victim blaming uh, going to the Gardaí and uh, this is a quote from the report. I saw the Garda's face change when I said I'd slept with the person harassing me. He started making excuses on the harasser's behalf. He didn't do enough and made me feel I was just being hysterical. The report calls for better training for the Gardaí. Yeah, that word hysterical like, has a long, long history of, of kind of the misogynistic overtones of women overreacting or that's, uh, you know, um, whereas actually we, we have learned, I hope, a bit more over recent years is that we need to listen to and believe uh, victims and survivors, whatever their, their sex or gender. But we do know that this is disproportionately something that impacts women. And we know also that in the United Kingdom, when they initiated their stalking um, legislation, there was also both a public awareness campaign and crucial 
initially very in-depth training for, for the police. And that did lead to an increase immediately in reporting and then also successful convictions. And that can't be just a once-off. It needs to be uh, fed into and built into ongoing police training because understanding in the same way that the Gardaí have had to learn in recent years and continue to learn about the dynamics of coercive control. Um, one of the things that they may be minimising actually is a greater red flag. If you have had an intimate relationship with somebody who is then stalking you, that actually is an indicator yeah. of potentially more serious risk. So these are really important tools to ensure the success of any new law. One of the listeners uh, texted me say, is constant messaging by an ex-boyfriend harassment uh, after I have requested him to let me move on? Well, what I would say to that caller is, um, just just as Una said, that the Cork Sexual Violence Centre offers support. Anybody who is concerned now, um, and it doesn't have to be if it's a current or former partner, if they're worried about stalking behaviour, please do reach out to our 24-hour helpline, which is 1-800-341-900, and you can talk out that situation in, in confidence. Um, but what I would say is, if somebody has said, please don't contact me anymore, and that individual continues to persistently contacting them, what they are doing is they are ignoring a request, they are breaching a boundary. And so in that case, that may well be a, a red flag that somebody is actually yeah. um, uh, going into uh, harassment. Um, we also have information on our website, womensaid.ie and tointu.ie, which uh, is more targeted towards young people and healthy and unhealthy relationships. All right. And uh, of course, there are technological solutions blocking, but I presume that uh, listener has attempted to to block on Facebook, block on WhatsApp, block on uh, texting, uh, block on telephoning and so on. Uh, but anyway, look, Sarah, thank you very much uh, for joining us. Just before you go, just if you'd reiterate the numbers and the websites. Yes, certainly. So uh, the free phone helpline for Women's Aid is 1-800-341-900. We've womensaid.ie and 2intu, the words 2intu.ie for younger people. And then, of course, uh, there's our colleagues in, in the Cork Sexual Violence Centre and Stalking in Ireland. Sarah Benson, CEO of Women's Aid. Thank you very much. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.